I think the reason why Salt and Sorcery has the loyal following that it has and why the branding is as like on point as it is, is because it's authentic. Because I follow my heart because I, fo- I, I make whatever I want to make. I'm like, I want to make this. I think it's dope. I think you'll like it too. And like, I only need a hundred people to like it. Welcome to the New Wave Entrepreneur, where we dive headfirst into Web 3.0, personal sovereignty, spirituality, and psychology. These conversations are unfiltered access to brilliant minds and actionable advice that will prepare you for the rapidly changing world. So jump in. The water is warm and the tide is rising. Ah, my friends, welcome back to another episode of the New Wave Podcast. Daniel DiPiazza checking in with you here. So happy to have you. And today we are going to welcome to the show one of my friends, Nagar Fanuni. Nagar is an incredible artist. And I actually met her uh, several years ago, five or six years ago. We lived in the same apartment complex in Los Angeles. And we were part of the same kind of group of people doing work in LA, finding our finding our way through creative and entrepreneurship circles. And I've seen her grow over the years into a phenomenal woman who, who really, to me, epitomizes what it means to, uh, to tap into your creative potential and juice it for all that it's worth and to truly create a brand from, uh, from what is in her mind and her heart. Actually, I'll tell you the truth. When I first started uh, the new wave entrepreneur brand up and the podcast, and all the things that I was uh, working on putting together and still we're, we're building right now. Uh, a big part of that was Neg's inspiration. I saw the series of books that she was creating. I saw this artwork that she was creating with her own mind, uh, you know, and just all this original stuff. And I was uh, just so impressed by it that it gave me the courage and the, uh, the, the idea to really start my spark. So I hope that, you know, my doing my thing it gives you some ideas, gives you a spark to it at all. It just keeps paying it forward. It's a chain. But I think you're going to love Neg's perspective on what makes art special, on what she does to get into her flow state. And this is a friend of mine uh, who I dropped right into the conversation with. So we're going to we're going to pick right up into the conversation. But very soon we'll get right into the flow and you'll, I think, really enjoy it. And while you're here, if you're loving these episodes, make sure you go to uh, wherever you're listening to the show on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, subscribe and leave a comment and a review. It really helps us to get better guests and better uh, show show rankings and all that good stuff. And of course, make sure you go to newwaveentrepreneur.com. You can check out everything that we're working on right now, including the New Wave Dinner Experience. Our next New Wave Dinner Experience is going to be July 16th in Austin, Texas. And gosh, do I really love uh, going to Austin now. There are some great friends I met there, some great jiu-jitsu training out there. I have lots to talk with you guys about later this week. I just did a jiu-jitsu tournament last weekend. Uh, I saw a really good movie. There's tons I want to dig into you with, but maybe we'll do it sometime later this week. For now, let's jump into the episode with Neg. So you're doing your own tie-dye now? Oh, yeah. Salt and Sorcery has like a full tie-dye situation going on. So this is what I want to talk to you about because I really admire your brand. Let me just – I'll pour a little praise on you. I'm gonna I'm gonna intro you after I'll do like a hello. This is Nagar, and we'll do the 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 juicy intro with with your bio. But I just want to say I really really appreciate your branding. 
I really respect it. And I see what you're doing too. It's, there's a, there's a, a system that you've created with your books, the aesthetic, the clothing, the apparel, how it matches, how the poetry and the prose plays into the branding. And mm-hmm. then I see the production cycle of it. I've looked through the whole website, your website, all your products. I'm thinking about my stuff too. Also, you're producing things more quickly now. So where do I want to start with you? <laughs> I guess I, get, I also want to talk about how, what it's like to mm-hmm. really uh, build uh, a business as an artist, you yeah. know, in 2020 and beyond. So like, if you had to give someone your elevator uh, bio about yourself in a few minutes, maybe do that now and then we'll go into more details. Okay, cool. All right. So people don't I, know you. I am an independent multimedia artist and I basically, so I write, I draw and I turn those artistic expressions into tangible items in some way, shape or form. And I offer those on Salt and Sorcery. So Salt and Sorcery is essentially like a reflection of my internal landscape and everything I sell. Yeah. So all my apparel is like wearable spells because everything is made with intention. Everything is, you know, a cosmic message to some extent. And um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. (laughs) Oh, is that it? Okay. I mean, that's pretty much it. Like, I make stuff. Like when people ask you made, me what but I you made a transition. You were you were doing something completely different three or four years ago, yeah. and I feel like it took some bravery to say I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to do this because yeah. what you're doing is not seen even even in the internet marketing perspective because we're all part of that world of like internet, online, fitness, health, entrepreneurship, yeah. all that stuff. Even what you're doing now is seen almost on the outskirts of that because it's like oh, I'm going to do the artsy thing. I don't feel like I'm part of that community at all anymore. And to be honest with you, that's good. Yeah. It feels so much more aligned for me. Well, here's the thing. I always knew I was, I've always been an artist. That's not new. And I always knew I was going to write. And so my journey with like being an online fitness entrepreneur and like doing all of that, which I started back in 2008, right? All of that led me to a place where I, number one, had a platform from which to actually offer like tangible art and like be able to sell my books. Right. Um, And to be able to do that independently and self-published. So I don't look back on that time as like uh, an online fitness entrepreneur, like whatever you want to call it in any negative way. It just, I grew out of it. I grew into who I really was always meant to be, which is this, like this feels Like, I feel like the most me I've ever felt every day when I sit down to work, whether it's to, you know, work on a book or work on a design or fulfill orders, like, or tie dye or whatever it is I'm doing. I'm like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is where I'm meant to be. And I wouldn't like have really been able to do that if I didn't live in the online space for as long as I did, because I think that living in the online space, yes, helps me create a platform, but it also helps me really understand like when I sat down to build the website for salt and sorcery, I already knew how to do it. I already had an email list. You know what I mean? Like, I, so like I knew what to do and it wasn't. Yeah. So like a lot of, I see a lot of artists want to offer their, like they want to like have an art business and they are really talented artists, but they don't understand like how to do it online. And I feel so grateful that I did all that time, like doing stuff online and offering digital programs and online coaching and all this other stuff. Cause now I was just like, Oh no, this is seamless. I know how to do this. I had to figure out how to do a lot of other shit. I didn't know how to like, you know, print labels and like fucking pack shit. So, yeah. The, the, the manufacturing side of it. Yeah. And it's been cool, yeah. like, figuring that stuff out. It's been, I feel like I've opened up this whole other part of my brain. And, like, I've gotten to be really creative in a lot of other ways. So, 
that transition was ballsy for sure, <laughs> but it was absolutely- It was totally never- the right move. It was what it was always supposed to happen. I, even when I was like blogging about fitness and like writing fitness programs, it was just practice. It was writing practice is really like all it was. Man, this is this is why um, I'm so happy we're having this podcast because I was just talking about this on a solo episode and I look back in the same way. I started around 2008 or nine. I started my first blog in 2008. Yeah. And from there, like I never stopped creating content online, mm-hmm. but the way I've expressed myself over the years has changed. And there are times, even now, like moving from LA to Oregon was a clear demarcation for me of like that phase is over. Um, you know, like I don't have my studio anymore. I don't have access to all my friends and people who can do stuff. I'm not shooting content like I was before. I'm not, yeah. all that stuff is kind of, it's changed. And so it's made me uh, sit and think, okay, what's going to make me really happy? And how am I going to, how can I, how can I position myself first for what feels the best for me? And then how can I make that the lucrative thing? Rather mm-hmm. than like, well, I got to make a, a course because it's time to make another course. You know, that's and not you know, And that energy never like, like we've all done it, right? We've all done that. We've all been like, I have to make, to make a program. program. <laughs> I have to, I make okay. It. What the fuck do you guys want this time? You know? And that just like never felt really authentic to me. And what's interesting now is like being removed from it. And I see like other people I know who are still in that world. Just like, I'm like, man, I'm so glad I'm not part of that anymore. <laughs> if you're really about that, it's like, it's like, okay. It's like if you're really Christian, you're going to be a, probably a pretty nice person because real yeah. Christians are usually pretty open-hearted, kind. The whole thing about Christianity is kindness. So yeah. if you're really going to be about Christianity, be about it and do all the things that they do. Not maybe not all of them, but you know, do, be of the spirit of Jesus. If you're really going to be an internet marketer, go hard into it. Don't half-ass it because it just feels bad. And then yeah. you're half-assing something and people are praising you for something that you're half-assing. And you're like, I don't like this though. I don't like this. Yeah. It never yeah. felt like me. Like... I think at first it was really cool to see, especially when I was still like really like I still am. I still participate in fitness. Like it's never going to not That's be a part of it. You're still yeah, doing different, you know. Yeah, I'm an athlete. Hit PRs. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, fewer and further between, but <laughs> the PRs change. Yeah, I mean I'm almost forty, so you know the. the Ma'am, we didn't the- ask you, and we don't need to know. Okay, <laughs> you can say whatever you want. Yesterday, listen, I'm excited about being 40. Yep, 40, 40 is the new whatever you want it to be, man. Most of the people that I know now are cool and they're all in their 40s and 50s. I feel like I feel like I went through so much in my 30s of just like so many sort of like identity, not crises necessarily, but really just like a lot of trying to figure out who I am, what I'm about and how I want to show up in the world. And now like on the tail end of this decade, I feel like I'm really like, like simultaneously have really like grown into myself and also with the constant understanding that I don't fucking know anything. Whatever, forever. (laughs) Whatever, forever. I don't know anything at all. And I just feel like so comfortable in that knowledge. And I think like that 40s are going to be very expansive. 40s are going to be lit. I think it's going to be lit. Yeah, I think it's going to be so lit because my 30s were rough and they were rough in a way that they needed to be. Like I really had to like break through a lot of internal, like a lot of inner child trauma. I had like I got divorced. Like I, you know, I just like I have gone through so much in my 30s and and it really like produced a lot of really what I feel to be like really valuable art. And I'm grateful for that. But like I'm ready to like have a good time. Well, one thing I've I found that's like, I think it's really easy to say this and then it, it, it means more to you when you internalize it is that 
uh, you can be really smart without having a lot of wisdom. And I think we're both pretty smart, but then the wisdom gets pounded into you and you only get wisdom yeah. through pain. Sometimes yeah. you can get other people's wisdom and avoid the pain. Usually you have to learn your own lessons though. Even I mean, if looking back, you're like, why did you do that? Dummy, smart, intelligent, you can see that, but the wise has to take over. And I feel like you're just getting seasoned. I think so too. And it's, it, it feels like a lot of times what's happening to me now is like, yeah, I still, you know, I'm going to experience depression and anxiety probably for the rest of my life. But when I'm experiencing it, I'm like able to be like, bitch, this is not real life. This is just your stupid depressed brain. Like it's not like I'm able yeah. to like yeah. identify when I'm having a trauma response. I'm able to like, I like I have more tools to deal with anxiety. I have more tools to like bring myself back to center. I have meditated every day for 98 days in a row. That's good. That's good. That's great. I mean, I'm mostly doing it for the gold star, but also like. (laughs) What, you know, pat yourself on the back. You know, are you using Headspace using an app? Yeah, I'm using the app and uh, it's really like. It feels good, man. It feels so good. And it's like. It changes your brain. Completely changes your brain completely like i'm it's cumulative i think the effects are like both acute and cumulative like acutely i feel better but cumulatively over time i find that i'm just like far more relaxed i'm far less like um anxious i don't let things bother me as much more and more i find myself saying that's none of my business like anytime i get upset about something i'm like that's not my business the cumulative is is the reason why you get fooled and you think you can stop doing it because it's been working so well you don't need to do it anymore. And I'm then not you stop stopping, doing I'm it. Not stopping. Listen, I need you to know? see that app say 365 days. I'm trying to get those oh, yeah. gold stars. So. <laughs> Medita- meditation is one of the most perishable skills. Yeah. You know? um, have you sat found that? You can't like, leave it out like, overnight. For a while, have you noticed like a big change? Oh yeah, you know, I, I've gone I've gone all the way from never meditating to meditating every day, like religiously and anywhere in between and then different uh lengths of meditation too so five and ten five and twenty minutes you know and then all the way to like hour plus meditations which is a whole different now it's a lifestyle you're committing to um i but i i i could say that i definitely feel better when i do it i meditate every day now um but i'm not like it sometimes i'll go as short as five minutes just to i don't always want to go all the way in and work on my subconscious Mm -hmm. sometimes i just got to drop in and get out it's like getting to the gym sometimes just getting reps in Exactly. You know, like even even if it's just three minutes, one of the th- things I'm uh, repeating in my head a lot, and even just I'll take a minute during the day is I'll say, you're creating everything you're experiencing. Remember, you're creating everything you're experiencing. And that just kind of like is a little phrase that pulls me out of the shit. And that yeah. could mean how I'm perceiving something. That could mean what I'm physically doing. It could mean uh, the memories that I'm recalling that are making me anxious. Like you're creating everything you're experiencing. All of yeah. it. So that kind of pulls me out. And that's like a meditative thing. It's like a constant reminder that you can check in with. Yeah, I love that. That's a good affirmation. What? Um. Okay, so you have uh, salt and sorcery, not to be confused with salt and straw, which is the best ice cream in the world. Um, uh, if you like ice different. cream, I don't really fuck with ice cream, but <laughs> it's too cold. It's just too cold. And I don't want to eat something that cold. It hurts my teeth. Normally, I say I don't trust people who don't like ice cream, but I do really like you. So I know I don't like to tell yeah. people that I don't like ice cream because I don't because people do think it's pretty suspect. It is embarrassing. Do you like fruit? I love fruit. Okay, well, there are some people who don't like fruit. You know this? There are some people who say I don't like fruit. I say, well, you know what types? No, all fruits. What? I don't trust you. I don't <laughs> trust you. It makes me nervous. Weird. It makes me. It makes me nervous. That's sometimes me nervous. I can see certain textures you don't like. It makes me nervous. Or some people don't like water. 
So they don't, they don't like water. Don't like water. And that is insane to me. And you know what I think people who don't like water, they're probably drinking tap water, which for the most part, like, especially in LA is absolutely disgusting. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But even so do cars like oil? You know, right. um, you need, what do you mean you don't like water? Water is literally life. I feel so good so, when I drink water. I'm like, oh. And hydration is one of those things also cumulative too. It's like it's yeah. acute and cumulative. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it makes your brain, you have to quench your thirst and your brain functions better over time. Absolutely. So I like water. I like fruit. I don't hate ice but not cream. Ice cream. I, I'll have, you know what I will have t- at times? I'll have a paleta. There's a paleteria right down the street. Okay, a little one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like more nostalgic yeah. for me. I'll get you an ice cream cake for your birthday. Tight. Um, sometimes when I have the little, <laughs> sometimes when I get those little gelatos, I taste the wood spoon more than the ice cream. But we're getting off topic. I salt and that, sorcery. Okay, okay, salt and sorcery. You know what I'm talking about? Salt and sorcery. <laughs> well, salt and sorcery. And okay, <clears throat> what I like about this brand is that one, a lot of merch brands, we're just talking purely merch or yeah. like product brands, mm-hmm. they're just, they just, um, they have really boring designs and um, you can tell they're just like phoning it in to try to get merch sales. Yeah. But you can also tell when when things are custom designed and when they're like crafted, you know. Yeah. And that I think just from me having my experience doing uh, e-commerce and doing online stuff, I'm like, oh, she's really putting in some work here because it's not easy to um, make really nice custom clothing and to have even the quality control on things like books. So like – could you just walk us through a little bit of like what your day is like or what your what your week is like running um, an e-commerce company that's in full production and is publishing your stuff? Like what's it like? Um, if I could get a handle on my time management skills, then <laughs> uh, yes. it would be much that's better. That's the only thing um, because it's, I'm, I'm literally doing everything by myself. Like this is a one person operation. Like I'm the content yes. creator. I'm, I'm like the, I'm the one doing all the sourcing of materials. I'm the one doing inventory. I'm fulfilling orders. I'm designing everything. Like I'm literally doing every aspect. I think a lot of times people don't realize how much goes into that. Like if I do a t-shirt for salt and sorcery, it's because I like downloaded some sort of cosmic message And then I fucking smoked a joint and like drew this thing and spent like, you know, weeks probably like perfecting something and also sourcing the garments and just, you know, and I only sourced Obsessing over the smallest details of where it falls on the shirt with the crease and the shoulder that no one else will notice. Exactly. And then I'm, you know, the one do, like doing all the marketing. I'm doing all the product photography. I'm doing the website. I'm doing the social media. And I'm the one fulfilling the orders. I'm literally walking these packages to the post office down the street. Like I'm yeah. doing every step from start to finish. So um, every day is a little bit different depending on what I'm working on. Like if I just did a launch, like so I just did a huge launch for my Road to Nowhere collection, which is probably my most like my illest collection so far and like the collection that's that one yet. um well it's off the website now because everything's out of stock and i didn't want there to just be like tons of out of stock like things on the website i hate streetwear so, can i just say i hate streetwear because you can't you, you know it's always out of stock 
Yeah, I know. I know. So it's like salt and sorcery is so limited because it's just me. So like I just did the Road to Nowhere collection, which consisted of a bunch of tie-dyed items, um, some pre-ordered items. Um, I'm beading like gemstone bracelets and all, and there's prints and there's all kinds of stuff that everything yeah. coordinates. Yeah, the prints are such a good idea. Yeah, with this one collection. So right now, what my days look like in like the week after that launch is like basically getting everything together for that. So doing all the tie-dye and fulfilling orders and like doing all that. But what I try to do is I try to give myself like two days a week where I don't do like manual labor <laughs> With the business, I try to give myself two days a week where I'm just creating, where I can actually just, just create, sit down yeah. and write. I can sit down yeah. and draw. Yeah. Um, I can do that. And then the rest of the time, it's just like all, it's like a lot of admin stuff. So um, it's pretty, like, honestly, my friend Anna, you know Anna, you know Anna Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, she mm-hmm. texted me the other day because we've been trying to get together. And she was like, You are literally the busiest person I know. <laughs> but, but, but then, like, but then, and people say that to me too. And you're like, But I don't feel like I'm getting anything done. I don't anything done <laughs> I will I am I am right. and I will wake up I'll wake up at like six and I'll spend an hour just like drinking coffee I'll meditate I'll do yoga I'll write in my journal and then I pretty much get right to work and I work I think we have the same day yeah I are you watching me I, am. I think we have the same day I am watching you <laughs> I work I all day until probably like one o'clock from I'll work from like seven to one and then I will lay on my rooftop deck for an hour and just get some melanin and get some vitamin D as a transition between work and gym. And then I'll go to the gym. I go to the gym every day at 2.30 and then I'll come home. And a lot of times, depending on what I have to do, if I have to fulfill orders, if I have to do tie-dye, if I have to do stuff that's like really piled up, I'll go back to work. Oh yeah. I mean, that yeah, the first work session is just the first part of the day. Yeah. If I'm prepping a launch, I'm working, like I'm starting work at seven and I'm finishing work at like 11 or midnight. And I don't, okay, no, okay, so, so. I don't recommend that on a regular basis because I'm a big person yeah. in rest and I believe in like rest-based living, but I'm only able to work from that space because I understand that there are times where I'm going to have to like early mornings and late nights. And those are like the exception. So, okay, so here's here's my question. So I, I'm and I'm doing something similar. Like I and I'm I'm following your footsteps. Even part part of like me seeing you roll out your brand encouraged me to oh, I love that. start my thing. That's true. That's well because we were we were talking last year. I'm like I want to put out a book. And you're like okay, well let's talk about it. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't. The reason why I didn't put out the book any new book yet is because I realized that over the I'm gonna get back to what you're saying is that over the years I like you had built an audience, but yeah. now I really have to craft that platform because. Yeah. With, with, with Rich 20-something, I didn't know that I was going to be doing online business, okay? I didn't know this was going to be my thing. No, you and were 20 I was just, I would, it, yeah, tw- yeah it, literally, you know? And, and, and so so I was given, you know, the microphone to speak. And I was like, la, 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 give me money, pay me money. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, now that I have this platform, I have to be intentional about how I craft it. And it's not just enough to have an email list or have a text message list or a social media. You have to really be think five and 10 years out and think about what products you're creating. Think about how, and it's not just enough to be able to sell. You have to also think about the back end delivery, like all you're saying, the distribution, yeah. all that stuff. And with content and, w- and with creating marketing online, you know, it's like um, if you're not constantly creating new stuff for people, there is a, people do lose interest over time. So you have yeah. to have a production flow. So like once you start, you, you can't stop, you know, to a certain extent. I mean, Kendrick Lamar, I'm not Kendrick Lamar, you know, but it's like, so. Well, none of us are. 
<laughs> yeah, none of us are. Kendrick can't even live up to Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. You know, all, all this to say that, yeah, like that, that encouraged me to start my, to start my brand up again. Like it was one of the big motivating factors because I saw oh you releasing God. these books and I'm like, okay, I see that she's creating a platform and she's going, she's going book first. Now, what I chose to do was to go podcast first okay. because books, as you know, have their own complications with them and to produce them. It, I would have liked to go book first, but that's like an ask first for me. You know, I, I think I had to, um, I think I, I had to go play the volume game and I really wanted to get a lot of material out there, kind of like a stand-up comedian preparing for their, you know, for their, yeah. their, their, their special. And, um, but I think that it, when you're doing it all, it's really hard to have that creative time where you're getting as creative as you can possibly be because that takes days to get in that flow. Sometimes you can stay in that flow. There's the administrative stuff. Mm-hmm. There's the actual physical manufacturing, not to mention customer service, which is like, do not want to deal with that. No, and so customer it's like, service is the worst part. <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst part of any business. And so I guess, well, first of all, why not bring some people in? Because I have four people that are helping me and it's still yeah. hard. Yeah. I don't have anybody. I have Isaac. Isaac helps put Isaac to work. Yeah. Put Isaac to work. Yeah. He helps out a lot actually. Like but something he'll do, like I have to give him the tasks that like a teenager can actually do. But like when I mail prints, um, I'll mail them in like stay flat envelopes, but you, but those don't stay flat. Like you have to put cardboard in there, you know, otherwise like they're getting, so <laughs> like Isaac will, Isaac will literally sit there for hours and just cut out cardboard. Like, Good. yeah. Good. <laughs> 16 year old sweatshop labor. Exactly. And I'm like, you know what? You know how you're getting paid with this roof over your head? You're paying your, literally, you're literally paying your rent right now. Yeah. That's great. Um, the other day, he sent me a text. I had gone to the grocery store while he was at school. And he sent me a text and he said, uh, Thanks for going grocery shopping. You're the best mom. And I was like, We're finally in the stage of you thanking me thanks for, for the grocery alive. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, I'm, I'm sure he's probably seen the prices and said, this is pretty expensive. I don't know how she's doing this with these t-shirts, but I, I like it. I don't know how she's doing this. So you know? I find myself, I don't, I don't really have, I don't really have the, the resources yet to bring on an employee, but I feel Salt and Sorcery getting to that tipping point where yeah. I need to bring someone in. Otherwise it's not going to grow. And it's that weird sort yeah. of like headspace where you're like, I can't afford to bring someone in, but it's like, but if I bring someone in, then the business will grow. And it's like, yeah. So I find what I find myself doing is like when I do tasks where I'm like, I shouldn't be doing this. Like if I'm sitting there cutting out cardboard to mail prints, I'm like, I shouldn't be doing this. Then yes. those are the tasks. That's a good, that's a good notification to have. I mean, and, that, and that's kind of I, I, that's the, the, the roundabout way of how I was thinking, talking about you know how you inspired me to work on this platform. It's like if I'm going to do this now, and I'm in my I'm in my 30s now. I have I feel like I'm in my prime, so I have a good runway of time to work on this project. Yeah. But where is my time best spent? Yeah. And for me, I realize how much in the weeds I can get with tweaking dot knobs and dials and editing and all that crap. And um and so it's like the, it's it's that question of like how much can I afford to spend to get this thing running. Versus how much time am I spending on things that I really should not be spending my time on? Yeah, and um, it, it's a. I, I mean, I'm 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 spending. I'm going into the red just to get this thing off the ground. Yeah, working on putting the products together to create that foundation. But either, but in every case, I'm still doing a lot of things I probably shouldn't be doing. Like really, you know, like editing blog posts. It's like okay, I could be doing something different there, or like fixing the HTML issue, or mm-hmm. like you know, doing some customer service. And it's like, but it takes time to build the 
products, the revenue stream, the when you're doing everything organically, because we're not using any ads for this, you know. Yeah, the last thing that I did, we spent all this money on ads, and we saw that we sp- we probably spent a million dollars on ads in a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And you know, Facebook was doing this thing. We were selling fitness DVDs and we had books, and I mean, we still have them. They show for sale. But what I saw was customers that come to you via ads, even when you pay good money, don't have that much loyalty, especially no. if they're just they're brand new. You it's know, not organic. They don't know. They don't even respond. Yeah. 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 The organic ones are the ones that stay forever, but you can't, there's no amount of money you can put in to create an organic engagement with somebody. No, that's just consistency. That's what I want to say. Yeah, that's just consistency. So yeah. I have customers, like I have salt and sorcery customers who are not only salt, not only buy every single thing I offer on salt and sorcery, but they have been they have Strange. been they have been customers of mine since I was selling kettlebell digital kettlebell programs. You know what I mean? Like so strange. Yeah, they've done everything, and they'll do tarot readings. Incredible. Me, and they subscribe to my Patreon. Like you know what I mean? It's like the and like those relationships are priceless. Those relationships, priceless. Are, yeah, those priceless. Are small, yeah, and like honestly, what it does for me is it more than anything is like it inspires me to keep going because I'm just like, damn, if you believe in me this much that you buy every single T-shirt, oh, every book I write, every you know what I mean, oh, like man. every print I I design, like then you must, if you believe in me that much, then I have to believe in myself that much, and I have to keep going. Man, and my my imposter syndrome has been flaring up recently because mm-hmm. I kind of just realized that I realized like. I have people now who've been following me for almost ten years. I'm like, why? I know. <laughs> like, 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 you know, you're, you're, like people who buy all your stuff. You're like, that's cool, but why? But why? Like, <laughs> you know, like e- even even like with like I stopped. I had my first podcast. It was 100 episodes uh, that we did, and I just we went from 2015 to 2019. After a certain time amount of time, I just stopped doing it. I'm like, I don't feel like doing this anymore. You know, why do you guys need to keep hearing from me? And I have people who email me like, "Where's your podcast? I really need it." I'm like, why? why? We have people, but, but really people that you just, that just resonate with what you're saying, they remember you. And then I'm sure you have this where you go into, you know, this is actually good for people listening when we're talking about uh, creative uh, marketing, personal brand building, you know, developing um, authority in spaces. This is all relevant. Yeah. I'm sure you go to places where people know you and you don't know them yet, but they've been following and reading your work. And yeah. that, even as I get older, starts to not weird me out, but just like, it really makes me understand the impact mm-hmm. of the cumulative effect of showing up over and over again. And that's starting to blow my mind. I think too what it You've is. You've seen that, I'm sure, with your books. Absolutely. And like, I think that, I think that it takes a lot of courage and vulnerability to like grow up in the public eye, which is what you do when you start a blog in 2008 and are still doing stuff online, you know, 10, 12 years. How many years is that later? Yeah, it's, yeah, you're going to be 15 plus now, you know, right. it's a long time. And so like who I was when I started my blog back in 2008 is not the same person I am now. So I've be, I've like grown up in front of all these people and like that's, that's really vulnerable. I've gone through breakups in front of these people. I've like processed all my trauma in front of these people and found a way to distill that into art and distill it into content. Um, and to do it in a way that's like really authentic to me and really like also still like is private enough and like guards my boundaries at the same time, you know? So to like go through that process. And I think that people are in, I think that the reason why people stick with you all that time is because they connect 
to you and they're inspired by your ability to just like keep showing up, to keep showing up and to keep just like being, you know, and like, like, I don't try to inspire people. Like that's not my, right. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to I'm just living and I'm living like my, in my authentic truth. Like I have to write, I have to, it's not a choice. It's not an option. Like I would, (laughs) yeah, I would probably still choose it, but I don't choose it. It's an, it's like, it's a directive. It is a cosmic directive. The universe is like, you have to do this because if I don't do it, I feel like shit. I feel like shit if I don't do it. I feel like I'm being torn up from the inside out. So I'm doing what I feel like I need to be doing in this world. And like, if that inspires people, like that's a bonus for me. I'm like, that's fucking cool. Like, I still can't believe people read my books. I still can't believe it. Haven't people gotten some tattoos with your art? Yes, people have gotten my art. That's mind blowing. That's fucking mind blowing. Not even temporary tattoos, like real skin tattoos. Skin tattoos. It's something that started wild. in your mind think yeah. about this something that started in your mind is on someone's body now I know. it trips me out and it's that like, is yes. manifestation it is it is and it's pure like it's like, and simple you could have that moment of like and you do have that moment and i like that you said my imposter syndrome is flaring up because i think a lot of people think that people who create content regularly and show up publicly in the public space regularly don't have imposter syndrome like mm-hmm. It's always, you, it never goes away. Like you just, it flares up and then you're, you put some cream yeah. on it and, and you fucking get to work and you do it anyway. Like it doesn't yeah. go away. I say, oh God, you again. Yeah. Here it's we go. you again. It's you again. And I've like, already oh. done this game. And you just have to figure out a way to do it anyway. You know, you just have to figure out like, how do I navigate this and show up and do it anyway? And like. As an artist, I can objectively say that like there's some of some stuff that I've created, like there's stuff that I've written and there are t-shirt designs that I've put out that I'm like, I don't ever have like there are t-shirt designs where I'm like, I'm never gonna bring that one back. Like that one's, you know, that's sure. and then, yeah, and some then throwaways. yeah, exactly. And there's stuff I've written even in my books, like it's not as much in my books, but there's stuff I've written in my books where I'm like, I would have said that a little differently. But for the most part, as an artist, I can confidently say that I'm at a place in my artistic career where I look at everything I create and I'm like, I like this. That like, That is the best feeling because you're the number one consumer of your own work. Yeah. Like I wear salt and sorcery stuff all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, I read oh, my man. own books and I cry. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I, I think that was one of the... Um, and I think that's one of the deciding factors is like, if you really like your own stuff and you really are into your own stuff, mm-hmm. that's going to give you the driving force to be able to not only continue to produce it, but also to share it with the world. Yeah. You are also creating dope gear. So that is, everyone likes that, you know, yeah. everyone likes dope gear, dope apparel. Um, and then how, how do you, how do you figure out what, what line you're going to do next or w- what the timing is of launches? Like, <laughs> is it just random? So- you just like, I feel like launches. I mean. I'm just, so salt sorcery is going to be three this year. And so I feel like I am just now starting to get, um, like a structure around it. It's just starting to, it's like, it's, you know, in its toddler phase and it's starting to figure out like how to walk and how to talk and, you know, how to do things. And so I feel like I just kind of figured out before it was kind of just like, I had this idea, I have that idea. And I just kind of put stuff out whenever I have an idea 
Now, like with the Road to Nowhere collection, everything coordinated. And that was the result of me getting really high and going to the beach one day. (laughs) I thought you were going to say something else, but that's great. That's really what that was. So I do every quarter, I do a a tie-dye pre-order where I'm like, these these are the garments. This is the colorway. This is the design. And it's something that like, usually for me, it's like whatever colors I feel like I'm working with. A lot of times that's just like whatever vibe I'm on. Like right now I'm working with like a lot of like soft desert tones and like that. Those are my favorite tones. Yes. Sages Uh, and, you know, Um, tans and like terracotta and like all of that like that's That's my favorite palette it's my favorite palette I'm so like my whole bedroom is that palette so I'm like really digging that right now and I'm working with that so like I came up with this idea for the these like desert jasper um like tie-dye separates and at the same time was um making prints that all kind of coordinate and they're like palm trees and cacti and like all this stuff and there's like t-shirts I was like there's all this stuff and it all kind of like I knew there was like a a, a thread that was going to tie it all together, but I, I couldn't really figure out what it was yet. And on Thursdays, I don't go to the gym. So on Thursdays, I usually do um, like a wake and bake. And I like to just kind of be high all day and just be creative and draw, right? Like whatever. I try not to do any, like I try not to fulfill orders. I try not, I don't even check my email. Like I try to just like totally- Who are you, ma'am? I know. I try to just be in like full creative flow on Thursdays because I don't go to the gym. So I'm like, I can just wake up and be high and just kind of vibe all day and do whatever I feel like. So it was like maybe about a month ago. It was a Thursday. It was, we had this massive heat wave in LA. It was like 90 degrees in Santa Monica. If it's 90 degrees in Santa Monica, like it's hot. Yeah. Yeah. Hot, hot, hot. It was hot. And my air conditioner was broken. It's actually what's getting fixed right now. That's why they're so loud on the roof. And I was like, fuck this. I'm going to the beach. So I, I drove to the beach. Uh, I, I hotboxed my car and I put in my headphones. <laughs> I put in my headphones and I'm laying on the beach and I'm listening to the talking heads. I'm the, the song Road to Nowhere comes on. And this is a song that Isaac and I listen to every time we go camping. It's on our camping playlist. It's the first song on the playlist. So as soon as we hit the road, like as soon as we get on the highway, it's the first song we hear. And it's so, it like has this really special place in my heart. And I'm like vibing to the song and I'm like actually like really listening to the lyrics and realizing what it's about. And reading about what, why David Byrne wrote that song. And like in the liner notes on that album, he talks about wanting to write a song about like impending doom. Like the fact that like the only thing we know for certain is like, this is going to end. And so how do I navigate life in the face of that? And that's really what that song is about. It's about like, we're on a road to nowhere. Like I'll take that ride. We're on our way to paradise. Like let's just fucking, you know, let's, let's make the best of it essentially is what the song is about. And it's very existential, but it's like, you know, existentialism can go a couple of ways. It can make you depressed or it can liberate you. And like, it felt very liberating to me. It felt, made me feel so alive. And I was like, just on the beach and like vibing. And I was like, that's what it is. That's that's what is going to tie this whole collection together because it was a couple of whatever forever is one of my most popular designs from Salt and Sorcery and it actually came from and I we were talking about in the beginning you were saying like how everything sort of intersects and like how the art influences the writing and vice versa the whatever forever design came from a piece in my first book was that, it the Ouroboros yeah 
Yeah, yeah that's one of my favorite symbols. Yeah, it actually it's, yeah. It, it was inspired by this tattoo on my shoulder that I got in Portland, actually. Um, and it came from that in my book. And so it's been one of my most popular designs. So I remixed the design. I redrew it because it's been two years. And so I was like, okay, let me remix this design. Totally fresh, new design, same you know idea, but different style. And that was like the main thing in this collection. And I was like, okay, well, like the whole vibe of that is just like presence, like absolute presence, absolute, like, um, you know, living life in the moment, not like me, myself, like working through my own anxiety and like all this stuff is just this feeling of like being grounded and being liberated through this idea that like, you know, of certain death and uh, <laughs> it kind of just like was this super high moment where I was like, oh my God, like that's it. Like that's the thing. And I was like so excited at the beach, like writing down all these notes. And then the next day when I wasn't high anymore, I was like, okay, like I can actually do the work on this now. And everything in that collection was on that same vibe. It was all like this color palette, even the bracelets, like the bracelets were all like the bracelets said nowhere, which is also now here. And and Erewhon. Exactly. It all comes back to Erewhon. It always comes back. To yeah, Erewhon. nowhere is Erewhon. <laughs> Hello. Um, and the the designs are all like the whatever forever designs, or they're like cacti, and the cacti designs say taking that ride to nowhere. Like it all like kind of intersected in the same like color palette and vibe and like energy, and it was just to me like that was a cosmic directive, like. People always ask me, like, how do you come up with these ideas? I don't think I do. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like I'm just, I feel you like- You it up from the field. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm a channel. Yeah, it's a frequency. Yeah, yeah. it's a frequency. I just, like, tune, I make myself, here's what it is, is I make myself available to tune into that frequency. And that's, like, whether it's getting enough sleep or smoking a joint or being in nature, like, doing all my, you know, my stupid little rituals, like, all my silly little shit. Like, that's all to make me ready to receive whatever cosmic downloads the muse has in mind for me. And also making my space available to the muse, like... My little area that I'm in right now is my writing nook and it's a work in progress, but it's like, if this is going to be where I write, then it needs to be a space like worthy of the muse. She needs to let sure. be here. You know what I mean? So like For all, sure. most of what I do is making myself available to receive these messages and then like receiving them when they come and putting them out. Like it feels like a responsibility. It feels like that's what I'm supposed to do. That's my responsibility. Which is different than straining for the message. Well, I try not to you know. force anything. So like like I said, the Road to Nowhere collection, I wasn't forcing it. I knew that it was going somewhere, but I was like, I don't know where this is going. I'm just going to like get high and vibe and see what happens and have this creative brainstorming session and not worry about being productive because like that's always a thing, right? It's like I'm not being productive. It's like, but I'm an artist, like dreaming and like vibing is part of producing. Yeah, it's but well, it's, it's you know... This is something I've also come to think about and really internalize over the past few years because also coming from that hustle culture, coming from the entrepreneur culture of like, if I'm not putting in X amount of time doing a specific measurable task, it was a wasted time. Exactly. And um, time of just walking outside, thinking through the idea you've been chewing on yeah. is much more productive than being on the computer like, I got to get this out. Yeah. You know, it doesn't work anyway. Um, I never try to force it. You can't force it. You can't. If I, I, I've, yeah. 
if I'm like working on a design or I'm writing a piece and I'm getting frustrated, it's time to stop. As soon as I get frustrated, yes. I'm like, I, I, this is time to stop. It's time to move on and try something else because this is not working for me. <laughs> Some, well, sometimes you, there's actually, you can, um, like intentionally stop before you get tired of it. Like uh, Ernest Hemingway used to say he, he would always um, write to the point I'm not paraphrasing him, but right yeah. to the point where he still had more in the tank and he wasn't completely sick of it. And so he knew he would be encouraged to come back the next day. Yeah. Whereas it's, sometimes you get discouraged because you overextend yourself on one writing exactly, session, you know? Exactly. He also, but he if you also, leave fresh, you know? You leave fresh and then you're like, wow, that felt good. Like, I love the feeling of like, mm -hmm. of like, do like a drawing session or a writing session where I feel, I don't feel drained from it. I feel alive. And that's how yeah. I want to feel. Yeah. I don't that, want to feel yeah. drained. It's knowing that balance too, like, um, you know, if I'm working on a project, then sometimes I'll be really wanting to push it to work, to work late on it because mm -hmm. I'm really inspired by it. But sometimes I'll just say, all right, let's cut it. Let's cut it down a little bit. You can pick this up tomorrow because it's going to feel bad if you push into the next day like this mm -hmm. and then you won't be able to be in that creative space tomorrow. I've been having to tell myself that a lot because a, a lot of times I'll, I'll sit and like draw late at night, which sometimes is a vibe, but usually only if I'm in a depressive state, if I'm in a depressive state. Like, which is like when I wrote and illustrated Three Whiskeys Deep and the book, like you can feel that in the book. You know what I mean? You can feel that. Well, it's called Three Whiskeys Deep. Exactly. Like you can feel that this is a person. And, and actually this book started early pandemic. It started as uh -huh. in the morning, which at that time morning was like 10. Like I was staying up late. I was staying up to like three, four o'clock in the morning, drinking whiskey yeah. and crying and like staring into the void. And getting up late and like, you know, everything was fucked. And I like didn't have like a morning routine because everything was fucked. And I had to kind of reconfigure my whole life. And so what I started doing in the morning is I was like hung over as hell and like sad and depressed and all kinds of fucked up. And I would sit at my typewriter while my coffee was brewing and I would just free write. I would just kind of like yep. get out like whatever was there from like the night before, like whatever I like, whatever I saw when I stared into the void the night before, I was like, I got to get this out. And eventually I had all these like scraps of paper, literally like this, just like typed up. And I was like, I think this is a book. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I like turned it all into the poems in this book and the illustrations that like correspond with the poems. I was up till like three o'clock in the morning every night drawing those because that was the energy I was in. Like that was, and that's also the energy of the book. But that, that's like a, that's a capsule. That's not like a way that I want to exist all the time. Like I want to be rested. Yeah, I want ease. I want yeah, it's a snapshot. Yeah, exactly. Like it's something that had to happen because it's the phase I was in in my life. It's something I had to work through. And you can feel that when you read it, you can feel that this is like a person who is trying to heal. This is a person who like is, is in the dark night of their soul, but you can't stay there. Hey, this is Daniel. Thank you so much for listening to the New Wave Podcast. We're going to get you right back to the show. But I wanted to tell you about this new mixtape that I just dropped. That's right. I dropped a mixtape and it's called Power Packs. So I know you are listening to this podcast and many others because you want to improve your life. You want to build your business and you want to live well. And me too. And you know what I've discovered over the years? It's that even though I've learned from many mentors and teachers, the best mentor in my life has been, drumroll, myself. That's right. And, and I know it's the same for you. It just has to be because the truth is you can mentor yourself. 
and you already have the answers to your own problems. What you need are the right questions to ask to spark your problem-solving machine. You have a creative genius for solving problems, but you have to ask yourself the right questions, and Power Packs will help you to do that. This is a five-volume audio series designed to dramatically improve the quality of your life and business in just a single listen, but not because it contains any answers, because it asks you the actual questions you need to know to get your brain pumping. And in these five volumes, we cover, the first volume is all about success and, and business and money. The second one is generating mental and physical health. The third one is all about strengthening your most valuable relationships. The fourth one is about unlocking your hidden creative genius. And the fifth one is all about thinking and being strategic. And these volumes are all available for free. Now, we've just released the first one. So if you want to learn about success with business and money, and you want to actually ask yourself the right questions to get you closer to successful outcomes there, then just go and download it. You can go to Spotify and get it, or you can go to newwaveentrepreneur.com, where you've already probably spending a good amount of time, and you can download it for free uh, right there. And you'll also get an outline of all the questions that I ask in that pack and my notes to help you move even faster through your business and your life goals. Now, we're also gonna do a limited edition merch run and some other bonuses to celebrate the launch of the series, so make sure you check it out at newwaveentrepreneur.com. And of course, you can stream it for free and download everything for free. Much love. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to the show. Download Power Packs now. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I, I I feel that that's how great music is as well. Great albums are a mood. Even yeah. if you look at like Picasso, he had a whole period of like his blue period where he was yeah. only painting in blues. And it's like, well, he didn't do it forever. You know, you got yeah. out of that period. Exactly. Um, and yeah, you want to feel, you want to like really taste the essence of the person at that time, smell the aroma, mm-hmm. but then hopefully they have other scents to offer. Some exactly. people don't have, don't never change it up. And then it gets Some like eating the same like, meal. No offense to Brene Brown because I think she's lovely and her first two books really changed my life, but I can't read her books anymore. They're all the same book. They are. They are. They're all the same. And, and, and there's also the argument to say if you, once you find your niche, exactly. hammer the fuck out of it. Yeah, stay in it. Like for me, it's like- Can't I, hate her. So. As, no, I don't hate her. I think she's fantastic. Um, her like first TED talk absolutely changed my life. Like I, She's amazing. Yeah. Brene Brown's amazing. She's incredible. Look, look at Drake. Drake found his niche and he's been doing the same album four albums in a row. And you know what I don't do? Drake albums. Because <laughs> I'm like, this just... There's a, well, you're not missing. I mean, it's the same album. Yeah, same but album. But he was innovative when he when he came out of the sing-songy rap and the, yeah. the way he was using his voice and the R&B mixed with it. And that was something new. And then he only did that or he did some variation of that with a small mm-hmm. amount of bandwidth, you know, but, but really he hasn't innovated. What happens a lot with musicians is they try to do something different and then everybody gets mad. Like, remember? Or they get mad that they don't get the radio play. Yeah. Remember in the 90s when Radiohead made that, like, total shift? Like, Radiohead's oh, yeah. music oh, yeah. was so different. It was more like it was oh, yeah. more like classically rock. And, like, oh, that was, it got weird. It got weird. And then that's when I got really into it. And I remember, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I was in high school when I think it was it was either Kid A or OK Computer. One of those came out. I forget which one out which one came out first. I think OK Computer came out before Kid A, but like one of those was like the switch, the transition in like their music style. And I remember a lot of people being like, like I respect it. Uh, yeah, a lot of people were really upset about it. A lot of people were really skeptical, and I kind of was too. And then I started listening to it, and I was like, I think I kind of like really dig this shift. And they've just gotten weirder and weirder. That's well, okay. So that leads me into my uh, first of all, a few side comments. <laughs> One, I I feel like, um, and I don't really listen to his music, but I have over the years 
clip, uh, caught some clips of him. I feel like Machine Gun Kelly did better. He's doing better now as a punk rocker than he was as a rapper. I think yeah. he fits much more to that image. Yeah. Um, you kind of find was, who you it's, are. It's, it's, yeah, you find who – it's interesting as people change in, in real time and then, like, just be unapologetic. Yeah. And that's kind of how Kanye has been. Every album Kanye puts out is different. And you can say you don't like it, but at least he's not doing the same thing. He's doing yeah. gospel. He's doing rock. He's doing yeah. rap. He's doing crazy shit that you make fun of. And then five years later, you're doing the same talent as him. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting. So that's those are just comments about people in their brand uh, before I go to my main uh, my main question. This, the second question, number B, was do you uh, – I'm really into fashion now. Now that, now that I'm like uh, – like actively designing my own clothes, I'm always looking at stuff. Yeah. And I'm always looking at like patterns and how it's stitched. And is this a generic piece or was this custom? Like I'm always looking at it. Yeah. You know, you can tell. do you look through You're catalogs? This is, this is Buck tell. Mason. So Buck Mason has this shop right in Venice. Okay. Uh, this is a, you know, just classic American wear. Do you look through catalogs to get inspiration like this? Do you look through and see what you like? And um, how do you get inspiration for your clothing? You know, right now, eventually Salt and Sorcery will become a cut and sew brand. I think, you know, right now it's, I'm printing on garments that are, you know, already in existing. Um, but I'm very, very, very particular about what garments I use. Like I order, I order the garment myself first. I wear it. I decide how I like it. I need need to like how it lays. I need to like how it fits. Like it has to kind of fit into like, which right now is, very difficult because I hate to say it, but supply chain shortage <laughs> is making that's the thing. It is a thing. stuff really hard. And so like yeah. eventually salt and sorcery will be like more cut and sew where I kind of can like do like more of my own, you know, how I want everything um, done. Um, I think in terms of like inspiration for what I create for salt and sorcery, I think it's more inspired by my own personal style than anything sure. else. And I think that in the last, especially like in the last couple of years, I've sort of settled into like really understanding what my style is. And I've started to get a lot more, um, a lot more like minimal in terms of what's in my closet. Like I'll have the same, you know, pair of pants in four colors. I'm like, I like these pants. Yes. <laughs> yes. This I'm there too. Oh, yeah. These are my these are my four pants. <laughs> like, I want to experiment with my fits. If, yeah. if it's not fitting, I'll change the body. Exactly. <laughs> the pants are fine. Exactly. <laughs> and I've gotten a lot more um and I've always been kind of like uh I've always been kind of brave with my fashion style because I think like as an artist, I think fashion is really important. I think that it's a reflection of how you feel about yourself. It's a reflection of how you see the world. It's like it's, it's so many things. And like, so the colors that I wear at any given time, like if I pick something out of my closet, it's because of how I'm feeling, you know? So like, I think that fashion is really important and I've gotten to a place where I'm pretty confident in myself where I can put together stuff that like maybe is, could be kind of yeah. weird or like, and I'm just like, the I but for it. you, it makes sense. Exactly. For me, this makes sense. Cause I dig it. And so the more I experiment and kind of dial in my own fashion sense, the more I feel like the salt and sorcery offerings are thriving because at first it was like, at first I found myself like making stuff and making garments that I thought other people would want. And now I just Uh make stuff I want. (laughs) Uh That's well, that's a, there's a, there's a lesson in there. Yeah. There's a lesson in there. And I, I always think about that balance too. How much of it, because I really do think that truly if you're making art that you like, that's what resonates the best with other people. It's like trying to make a hit song. Sometimes you can do it. 
But usually it's just a song that you really were feeling and the energy is there and the production was right. It just hits. Yeah. Um, but you want to find that mix of like producing for the market and also producing what you love. Because as an artist, you have to you have to ride that wave a little bit, ride that in between line. Because if I produce just everything that only I would like, it might not sell as well as if I take a slightly wider approach, Yeah. you know. Or I might be ahead of where the audience is, so I need to backtrack a little bit because they they haven't caught up to where my head's at yet. I'm in 2025. That does happen. I found that, like, I did this collection of, like, um, I did this collection of Alan Watts inspired stuff because I listen to a lot of Alan Watts. I'm actually on, Mm -hmm. I know, I love him so much. I wish he was my dad. So I'm actually on, (laughs) I'm on the board of, there's like this this board of, I guess, advisors or ambassadors for Alan Watts, Oregon. There's like eight of us, um, musicians, artists, uh, mostly like musicians and artists, um, people who really integrate his work a lot with their work. We get on the phone like once a month and just kind of talk about like, how can we support Alan Watts org? What's going on in our lives? I don't know, whatever. I'm actually doing a couple designs for their merch store, which I'm so excited about. I know. I'm definitely, those are two of my favorite, my favorite brand with my favorite dead philosopher. I'm so stoked on it. But so I did this collection for Salt and Sorcery that was like, I did these t-shirts that had the Alan Watts quotes on them and I did keychains and I did prints and like, it was so special to me. And um, I used a quote. So Alan said, like, in one of his talks, he said, um, he was talking about how, like, we always see ourselves, like, as separate from the universe, right? Or, like, as separate from other people. And he talks a lot about how, like, you know, like, there is no, like, other is a myth. Like, there is no, like, I'm you and you're me. Like, we're all, you know, from the same, like, cosmic debris. So uh, he said, um, you didn't come into this world. You came out of it like a wave from the ocean you're not a stranger here. And I wrote like, I did like t-shirts that said like, you are not a stranger here. And like motel keychains, like that said, you are not a stranger here. And I thought they were so fucking sick. I thought they were so sick. And usually salt and sorcery stuff sells out like that because there's limited like capsules and that t-shirt stayed. And those prints like stayed in my shop for such a long time that I was like I almost got mad I was almost like what the <laughs> you gotta do something for you though yeah and what I had to realize is that like sometimes whatever it is that you're vibing on whatever idea it is like it might be that it's so like it, it could just be like I don't want to say too advanced but Sometimes it's like you're on, like, I'm really weird. And sometimes I get on these like weird tips and I'm just like, oh, that's the thing. And I have to realize like, not everybody who shops at Salt and Sorcery is a weird stoner. Like, right. (laughs) Well, well, that's true. That's exactly what I'm saying. Everyone's going to have some cross section of interest, but not everyone's your exact match. And I was talking to one of my friends about uh, just like, I'm like, why? This is like, you're like maybe two years ago. I'm like, why do you think my Instagram isn't hidden as hard as it used to? Besides the fact that the algorithm, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And they're like, well, you got all these people for business and now you're putting stuff about the fabric of consciousness. Yeah. So it's like, a slightly different audience. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I'm like, I think ah, it comes back around. I think, fair. I think it cycles. I think it's like, okay, fabric of consciousness. Sure, like, sure. And then people need some time to kind of figure it out. And then they're like, oh, okay. So like, right. Now I feel like, you know, for me, I had that similar thing where like I, when I, my first transition from 
coming out of the fitness industry and coming out of like being an online fitness entrepreneur was that, uh, you know, I've always been a witch. That's not like a thing you become. You either are one or you're not. Like, I've always been a witch. And I was always had, you know, I read tarot and I had all my own like spiritual practices, but I didn't really share a lot of that publicly. And so my first sort of, my first like transition into that was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to post my, um, my tarot reading from today on Instagram. And like, I don't know how that's going to go. Like, (laughs) yes, it's not in line with my, it's not in line with my brand. We don't do tarot on the brand. People are going to, but, but it's me and I'm my brand. So I was like, it has to be okay. Like, you know, are people, are people going to be like, what the fuck is this? She's crazy. Maybe, but this is who I am. So like, let me do this. Like, let me dip my toe and see how people respond and for the most part, the response has always been pretty positive and people have been happy to come along for the ride. But like that transition happened so organically back in probably like 2015. So it's been like seven years now. People probably don't even remember that I used to have fitness programs. Do you know what I mean? Like there's all these new True. people now. True. Like the whole, it's like your blood, your blood gets recycled, you know, like it's just it's a whole, I have new blood volume. Like it's just, this you push thing. so much of that content down on the internet basically is what it yeah. is. Yeah. If they Google you now, it's going to go far back to yeah. find a fitness picture. I don't even have my blog you know? online anymore. Like my old blog that I started in 2008. I'm sure you're Googleable. Yeah. No, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure they could find archive way back, but yeah, exactly. You just push yeah. it down yeah. with content and, and well, okay. So this is actually, this is a good way to kind of like, I, I, I could just keep asking you questions. Which, I, I mean, I just want to keep talking. About, I feel like but, we could talk you know, for hours. We're always like. Yeah, I want to, I want to, yeah, I have all these things I want to I feel very uh, like a kinship with you. And I'm like, I feel um, like really inspired by the work that you're doing. Well, okay. So one thing, let's just cap it on brands. Cause I was talking about this on IG today. Uh, yesterday I watched the, um, uh, there's an Abercrombie. Oh, it hurt. I want to watch it. Is it good? Did, did you watch it? I haven't watched it okay. yet. It's, on my uh, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. I mean, one, because, you know, like now I'm really getting into brand branding. Like I'm really understanding the power of branding. Not, not logos, not logos, but branding, the entire yeah. scope of a brand. I'm starting yeah. to get even more in tune with what that means. So I like studying those brands. Yeah. And, um, and Abercrombie, obviously, you know, was huge in the 90s and early 2000s. And they got taken down pretty pretty much mostly because they were very exclusionary and where it was like, mm-hmm. Oh, well, we only want to show mostly white cis male models and, you know, promote this like all American lifestyle, which isn't saying it, but it's kind of not including yeah. other types of genders or other body types or whatever. And, you know, my commentary on this was I don't uh, support any type of uh, racism or exclusionary stuff in hiring practices, but at the same time, you know, if minorities want their own, don't, don't try to force yourself on someone who doesn't want you. Yeah. Don't try to kick the door down an entry that doesn't care to have you there. They're not going to appreciate your contribution. No, no one, no one complained about FUBU and maybe it's okay that they have, like, if you want to have the white brand, the white American brand, have the white, American maybe that's their, go for it. I don't I care. It. Have it. Yeah. You know, it, it, cause it doesn't reflect me. So like, do you think that, that, there's a civil rights angle to pushing yourself into somewhere where you're not wanted. And is that the same thing as racism? Or should we just say, and also 
all brands naturally exclusionary because a brand selects who they don't want. Yeah. As you know what I'm saying? Brands yeah. are exclusionary. You have to have exclusion you in, do. in your brand. You right? do in some way, in some sense. I think it's really interesting. Like, you know, it's tough. I think it's always harder to discuss it when it's coming from the oppressive class, right? So like when the oppressed sure. when the oppressed do things that are exclusionary, it's not exclusionary because we're doing it for we're doing it for ourselves and for our yeah. people. Yeah. Um, right, because we wouldn't get the opportunity. Right, you know? exactly. So, like, if I do something that's just for women of color, that's not exclusionary. That's a, that's like, hey, we don't. <laughs> right. Yeah, like <laughs> it's even inclusion. It's inclusive. Exactly. They would say exactly, even though it's really exclusive. Exactly. From, yeah. So I think like a brand like Abercrombie and Fitch is gonna be more spotlighted for that because especially now, like, we are in yeah. this, like, you know. Uh, we are in this um, civil rights reawakening. We're in this period of like, you know, we had like, we're yeah. in a period of time that they're going to look back in history and see like periods of time where there were big civil rights movements. And this is going to be one of those times. And so I think that it's, it's, it's normal for people to shed a spotlight onto that. Um, but me personally, like I remember what I walked into an Abercrombie and Fitch once and like, I've smells I, uh, the so smell. Bad. Oh my God. I've, you get, I get a headache just walking by it, but I, yeah, a lot I, I could tell it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. I spent a lot of time in malls because like I worked in retail. Retail was my first job uh-huh. since I was 15. I worked in retail. Like I had a lot of experience in that field. I've worked at a lot of different stores and I've spent a lot of time in malls. So I've walked into Abercrombie and Fitch once. I looked at the clothes. I looked at like, and I've always been like a big booty girl. So like, I looked at the clothes. I looked at a pair of shorts. That's not for you. Yeah, I looked at a pair of shorts, and I was like, "Am I in a kids store?" I remember I walked out and looked at the uh-huh. time because I was like, "Let me look, make sure I'm not in a kids store." And I was like, "No, this is not a kids <laughs> store." And then I was like, "Oh, this isn't where I buy clothes." <laughs> right. And so, so <laughs> do you file a clash action suit? Do you file a class action suit no. against Abercrombie and say, make bigger clothes? You say, this is just not my brand. It's not my brand. I don't want to shop here. Bye. <laughs> and then I just like forgot right. that they existed. Like, I don't care about that. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm just like, okay, forget it. Like, I'm going to move on to something else. So like, I, of course, like as an activist and as like a woman of color and as a person who considers themselves anti-racist and an ally and a co-conspirator and all these things, like... I 100% understand the feeling of like looking at something and feeling like this is exclu- this is exclusionary, especially when it comes from the oppressive class, especially. But like I see that and I'm just like, this is just a bunch of skinny white people. I don't like that. And I just. Like- yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. And and no offense to skinny white people. And a lot of skinny white people don't even like Abercrombie. Abercrombie was, cor- especially back then, they, they've done a rebrand. Uh, done a complete, a complete reboot. Have a new CEO, wow. uh, a woman CEO. They're they're more they're kind of more like uh, like Gap or like Calvin Klein now. They've oh. Really, they got every everyone's in their ads now. But back in the nineties and two thousands, like clothes were corny anyway. Yeah. Who wants to wear exactly. clothes with all Abercrombie on it? Stupid polo shirts, shit. polo knockoffs. Yeah, don't it's corny. Don't it was put, never a good look. Don't looking. put people like me in those ads. I don't want people like me wearing that corny. <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> yeah, no. Also, now I realize too. Again, the power of branding. The clothes weren't even that nice. They were just, it's literally just billboards. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's not a lot of value passed through the clothing, in my opinion, from yeah. my, in my opinion. Which honestly they, they is something that I'm very know? conscious of. Like I very rarely include salt and sorcery on any of my designs. I don't brand sure. actual yeah. designs. There are a few exceptions and they are very minimal. And they're usually like, um, like for example, like the whatever forever shirts I made 
coordinating bottoms, but the bottoms say salt and sorcery. So they coordinate and they're not exactly the same, but like, I don't make t-shirts that say salt and sorcery. Like I'm not, you know what I mean? I don't want you walking around wepping my brand. I want you walking around wearing a spell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a spell. Yeah. What you're wearing is a spell. Yeah, that yeah, I yeah. Have. Like that's, that's something that yeah, is yeah. personal to you for whatever reason. Like you saw this design and it, it moved you in some way and it made you feel some kind of way. And it's something you wanted to rep. And like the, like, I don't need salt and sorcery to be, I don't need my clothes to be a, bill, a billboard. I want them to be spells. Agreed. Yeah. And they're not, not necessarily buying salt and sorcery. They're buying that specific element that makes sense for them in their life. Exactly. And, but also your, your uh, artistic style has a certain look to it. So it's almost like a signature. Exactly. People can see that. Yeah. You know, if I, if I look at like, Matt Groening, who does The Simpsons, he always has the same way his faces look yeah, you know and his writing the same. So I can say, oh, Simpsons, Family Guy, Dilbert. Yeah. You're like, I know that. I know you, you know? did that. Yeah. Yeah. Just the way that the pen strokes. And, that, mm-hmm. and I noticed that stuff too. Like, again, from the branding perspective, like certain colors, which imperceptible changes can mean generic or brand, mm-hmm. you know, uh, certain typefaces and fonts. Uh, you're always considering these little elements when you're always. putting together things. And of course, to the average consumer, they look at you and say, oh, this is nice. Yeah. They Good job. They don't necessarily see You know, you're like, so. every single element. It's, yeah. you know, every single element every is crafted. But, that's just- but also, you have to be willing to pivot. So like that book that you're holding right there, that typeface that I used for that cover, I used for a lot of salt and sorcery designs as well. And that was back in 2019. And then... In probably like mid 2020, everybody started using that typeface. I started seeing it come up everywhere, and I was what, like, "What font is this? What do you know? What font this is?" Um, that one. I mean, I could look it up. I don't remember the name of it because I don't use it anymore. It looks. Cu- it looks custom. It's. It, it looks custom. Well, here's the thing. Even if I use, even if I use an existing typeface, I don't just use it as is. Right. So like I will go through by hand and hand letter and alter um, a typeface uh, to get it exactly how I want it to be. So I'm never just like I think, you know, I'm not just like taking like comic sans and throwing it on a T-shirt like it's, you know, it's going to have like a whole it's going to have a whole situation. I'm going to go through I'm going to warp the text. I'm going to go through with my Apple pencil and maybe like add add little things here and there and, and, you know, design it the way that I want it to. Cause sometimes I'll look at a typeface that I really like and I'm like, but it's weird. Like there's this, okay, that one is called, that one's called scrubby, believe it or not. Scrubby. Scrubby. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, everybody, I'm going to show you something I designed recently. Everybody started using it. And I was just like, I don't want to use this anymore. Everybody's using this. Like I'm not, I'm not interested in this. People were. What are you using right now? Um, I'm using a bunch of typefaces that were actually hand drawn by this guy, um, who has his own like type foundry. Eventually, oh, I. Oh, you got custom now. Yeah, you and so like custom. eventually, that's what I want to do. And a lot of times, I'll hand letter too. So like a lot of times, it's my actual handwriting. But eventually, what I would like to do, and I kind of want to take a class. I'm like I'm a self taught artist, so like if I see something I really like, I'm like, oh, I really want to learn how to do that, and then I just like dive in and learn how to do that. So like. What I'd like to do eventually is create my own typefaces and those start by hand, right? Yes. So like, eventually. That, that's super. Thing. That's, yeah, that's one of one. Yeah. And I. Well, uh, I would recommend 
Okay. No, I'm I'm really drawn to like vintage. Um, like my style is very like retro California because like I'm from here and like yeah, you know what yeah I mean? it is my vibe. Yeah. So, like that's really it my just style. screams Hermosa Beach. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would recommend going to um going to take some classes at Santa Monica College. Sarah took multiple art classes there. Really, they're very inexpensive, and she got good. Man, she got good. I mean, she, she's not, she's naturally naturally talented. Yeah, but I mean. She was going hardcore there and they were doing like line work. Uh, they were doing ink. They were doing, uh, she did a whole semester of painting, like like a, hundred, a couple hundred dollars for a whole class. I'm like, yeah. I don't know how they can afford to teach me this for this. Amount I definitely want to do that. And I know Isaac's interested in doing that kind of stuff too. So I see us like maybe going together to do that and like just mm-hmm. kind of diversify both of because he draws too. So it's a kind of diverse, diverse draws our artistic palette. Yeah. It's like. One of those things where I think you, a, a lot of people think you need to know how to do something before you can launch something. Like I didn't, do you know what I mean? Like I didn't go to art school. Like I didn't go. No, to- you, you, well, draw it. <laughs> Drawing is one of those things too, where it's not easy, but it's like anyone can learn how to draw. I, I have put a little bit of time into drawing and I'm like, this is better than I thought it would be, you know, exactly. especially um, I was drawing faces and I used a, uh, like a grid. And if you can use a grid to create a dot, matrix and then learn how to shape the lines and then yeah. you can erase the grid and learn how to shade in it looks pretty damn good i mean good. it's the beginning of learning exactly you so know it's like you know my process is, or something exactly and you can't just like listen i'm not gonna like just just draw for the first time in my life and be like okay cool now i'm gonna start a business like i was drawing for years before right, no. i was like okay i'm gonna have an art business now but like I wasn't going to wait until I was this like, a, you know, fully accredited artist. Like I wasn't going to be like, oh, I want an art business. What does that even mean? School. Accredited? Like um, there's no. Yeah. I'm going to figure stuff out as I go. And then I'm going to realize, okay, I'm really interested in this. I want to get better at this. And then I'm going to take a class in that, or I'm going to watch a bunch of YouTube videos and learn how to do something. Like you just have to get interested in stuff and then decide that you're going to do it. That's pretty much how salt and sorcery started. I was like, I want to do this. And I, I want to learn how to make t-shirts. That's really how it started. I want to learn how to make t-shirts. So salt and sorcery started with the sturdy girl t-shirt. Because Sturdy Girl was what Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Sturdy Girl was what my ex used to call me. It was my nickname at the gym. And we broke he broke up with me and I was devastated. And then we were gonna be me, him, and his brand new girlfriend were all gonna be at the same CrossFit competition. And I was like, this is devastating to me. This is the hardest thing I've ever had to do, but I'm gonna do it anyway. And like my girlfriends from the gym were like, we should all get t-shirts with your face on them. And I was like, that's corny. We're not going to do that. (laughs) But what we can do is we can make sturdy girl shirts. That would be dope. And that was how Salt and Sorcery started. Like I always knew I was going to start a tangible art brand because I already had the name and I already had the vision. And when we came up with this idea, I was like, okay, I think I can do this. So my friend, Amy, um, who is a digital graphic designer, I, I showed her like a sketch of what I wanted and she put it into reality. And then my sister has a screen printing press in her garage. And she was like, yeah, we can totally make these t-shirts. Like we went downtown, we bought the blanks. Um, we got a screen made, downtown and we just like screen printed a hundred t-shirts in her garage and launched salt and sorcery on September 9th, 2019. How much did it cost to, to do that? That first run? $500. 
Yeah. <laughs> $500. And like, we just, and we did all the labor and they sold out like in the same day, like immediately. And I was like, this is something like, this is a thing. So then I realized, okay, well I can't do all the, like I went and took a screen printing workshop. I learned all about screen printing. I learned what equipment I would need. I learned, you know, how to make the screens, um, how to do everything. And I was like, you know what I don't want to do is this. All of it. I was like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I know how to do it. I don't want to be doing it. I'm though. glad I learned. I'm glad I learned because now I have the verbiage. You have to I have learn. the lexicon. I know. Yeah. I understand. So when I work with my screen printer, we get each other because I'm like, I know how to do this. Like I like this is your craft, but I'm not like a, I'm an informed consumer, you know? So I was like, okay, I don't want to do this, but I still want to keep making t-shirts. So I did some crowdsourcing. I found a really great local family owned screen printer in Southern California. I've been working with him since, um, yeah, I've been working with him since, uh, late 2019 and we have a really great relationship and I work a lot with him and that was kind of how it grew. And it was like, okay, now I know how to do this. Now what's the next thing. And then when it got to the point where I didn't want to make sturdy girl t-shirts anymore, I stopped and people were not happy about it. People still message me all the time. And they're like, when are these coming back? I'm like, where's my sturdy girl t-shirt? I'm like, sturdy girl is over. And that was like a really interesting shift I had to make as an artist where I was just like, it's last season. Yeah, it's last season, honey. That's some, that's some, you want, I'm, I'm on that new, new, you on that last year. Like we're not doing that. <laughs> we're not doing that. It's just not, it's just, it doesn't vibe with where I'm at anymore. It was a really important it was such an important part of salt and sorcery that like for the anniversary, like, so last year for the anniversary, I did a limited edition uh, tie dye. Like I did uh 50 tie dye sturdy girl shirts all, and they were all one of a kind. They were all different colors. They were all one of a kind. And it was like, it, you, when you bought it, you didn't know what you were going to get. It was like a grab bag, you know, it was like, you didn't know what color you were going to get or what, anything. And like, that was really fun for me. And I might do that on the anniversary because Sturdy Girl is what launched this brand and I wouldn't be where I'm at without it. But I can't just keep continuing to make something just because it's going to make me money. I can't. Well, also create scarcity. Yeah. Create scarcity. You know, you can always bring it back. Disney brings back their stuff in the vault all the time. Yeah. I like to take stuff out of the vault because here's the thing too, is that like, I don't want to always be doing the same stuff because then I'm not growing as an artist. Like I need to have the opportunity to grow as an artist and like follow my flow and make new things and like... And, and make all these new offerings, especially because I have a small audience. You know, Salt and Sorcery has a small customer base. It's a very loyal customer base, but it's fully organic. I've never used any ads. I don't know anything about marketing. I didn't even when I was an internet entrepreneur. Like I have no concept of marketing. That's not true because yeah. you're doing it. You're organically well, doing it. Well, the way I do it is I show up as my whole self. I show a lot of behind the scenes stuff. I tell the story behind every offering. So I don't just say like, here's this t-shirt. Like every offering has a story. Every offering, like I like to tell you, like I made this t-shirt because like I was talking about Road to Nowhere. Like this is the song that Isaac and I always listen to when we go camping. This is, you know, this is the vibe I was on. I wanted to make something that kind of carried that same message. It made me feel this kind of way and how it all intersects. Like I tell the story. So for me, cause I'm a storyteller. I'm not a marketer. I'm a storyteller. And so for me, I think the reason why Salt and Sorcery has been able to grow organically is because I tell the story behind every offering. And I do that visually and verbally. And so usually what that looks like for me is I made this. Do you want it? Like that's the extent. And if you don't want it, that's okay. Because guess what? There's only 50 of them. So somebody else is going to buy it. (laughs) 
That, yeah, that's so true. And I think, especially when we're talking about art, and now I, I'm going to, we'll wrap it. I got to go to another show after this. Uh, <laughs> keep, keep talking. When we're talking about art, scarcity is so important. Yeah. Scarcity is what drives value in art and or perceived scarcity. And you can create that through your process and it also helps to keep it fresh for you so you're not bored. Yeah. Because there's nothing worse than a bored artist where the muse isn't coming and you're just printing out 30 year old t shirts because it was hot seven years ago. Yeah. I would you know? just be Ugh. so bored with that. I definitely. Well, then you're moving from artist back to entrepreneur again, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I realized that when people were asking me to do that, and I was just like, yo, financially, like, that would be lit. But, like, is that the is that who I want to be as an artist? No, because that is just going back into that entre- entrepreneur mentality of, like, oh, this thing makes a lot of money. I think the reason why Salt and Sorcery has the loyal following that it has and why the branding is as, like, on point as it is is because it's authentic. Because I follow my heart because I, fo- I, I make whatever I want to make. I'm like, I want to make this. I think it's dope. I think you'll like it too. And like, I only need a hundred people to like it because I'm only going to make a hundred, you know? So it's like, if you like it, then cool. And then we're going to move on and we're going to make the next thing. And I think it took me a, a while to realize that as a small art brand, the best way, the, the best use of my resources and of my creative bandwidth was to make these like small capsules. And not do these like huge launches to do these small capsules with maybe like five to six offerings within and not to like reinvent the wheel. Right. So I talked about how like the whatever forever t-shirt design was inspired by a piece in the book. Right. So it's like in when we were entrepreneurs, right. Internet entrepreneurs, we talk about, you know, re refurbishing content, right. You don't have to, how many articles you're going to write about the same. Correct. You know what I mean? Like refurbishing yep. content. So for me, it was a matter of looking at like, okay, I made this design. How can I make this design work in all these different ways? I'm going to make a print. I'm going to make a t-shirt. I'm going to bead a corresponding bracelet. You know, there's going to be like, and it's all going to- I'm going to do an audiobook series. Exactly. With me reading my work. Exactly. So- Yeah, you take that content- you can take one one piece of content and it's a poster, exactly. it's a tarot card, exactly. it's a t-shirt, it's an audiobook series, and it's the book. Exactly. It's just one thought. It's just one thought. Yeah. And it's like you know? as a creator, who you have like you have to get out of that like capitalist mentality of more, more, more. Because it's not always No, more. we need it. Exactly. Capitalism. What <laughs> business? Okay, uh, I I gotta go. I gotta go. Sorry. <laughs> That's it. We're done. What well, um saltandsorcery.com, right? We're going to pull those links in the show shop. notes. That shop. Yeah. Well, now we know. Um, saltandsorcery.shop. We'll put everything in the show notes. Uh, we'll send this out to our email list. I do market. I consider myself a marketer. And I love I'm proud that of for it. you. So buy her stuff. <laughs> <laughs> buy her stuff. When it comes out, there'll only be 50 of them. <laughs> Friends, I hope you love listening to today's episode as much as we loved recording it for you. Uh, Neg is an absolute gem of a human being. All the links to reach out to her and to find the stuff she's doing with salt and sorcery, sorcery will be in the uh, show notes. So make sure that you do that. And uh, make sure you check out the podcast and wherever you're listening to it on, you know, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Leave a comment, leave a review. Go to newwaveentrepreneur.com. Get updates on everything we're doing, including the including the new whip dinner experience, which is coming up. And of course, uh, Power Packs which are just about to release. If you're listening to this on the day of uh, the, the actual day this episode is airing, Tuesday, Power Packs might not be out yet because I am a perfectionist and I had a few more things I wanted to add to it before we release, but it will definitely release uh, later this week, hopefully by my birthday, which is May 4th. So anyway, 
Much love. The water's warm. The tide is rising. So let's jump on in and surf this new wave. Daniel Did you know that this isn't a podcast you're listening to? Okay, let me be more clear. This isn't just a podcast you're listening to. See, by listening to this show, you're actually part of the New Wave community. And because of that, I really want to meet you, IRL, in real life. Wouldn't it be nice to spend some time in a beautiful location, maybe a mansion by the sea with a chef-catered dinner, knowledgeable friends who really want to help you, a cello playing in the background, and you know, an overall great ambiance. Doesn't that sound gorgeous? Well, we just created that at a recent New Wave dinner in LA, and I want you to be part of the next one. See, these dinner experiences are for entrepreneurs, career climbers, and creatives who want to build friendships with each other in real time, in real life, not just spending time chatting on the internet. We want to actually feel each other's presence, and we spend time together uh, bringing our business problems, bringing our half-baked ideas, bringing our creative questions. Then over a, a wonderfully catered meal, we work together as a group to help, help each other untie these knots and dial in our focus. And afterwards, we go and relax. We take a dip in a pool. I always got a place with a pool or a jacuzzi, have some drinks. We do a little bit of partying. And you will leave this experience with connections and brand new ideas and budding relationships. And you might even find your next co-founder or your next investor sitting right next to you. But more importantly, you are going to leave with a jumping off point, some momentum to go into this next phase of your life, this next chapter, uh, some new ideas that you didn't have before, something that's been enhanced that you know you have confidence in. Now you're gonna build that inner momentum. And that's what's so important. And of course, when you're there, I'm also going to bless you with some new wave merch. If you've been looking at my photos, I'm constantly making new merch and new gear just to show the community that, you know, we got something special going here. So make sure you check out the next new wave dinner experience. Now we're doing these all over the country and potentially all over the world. We did our first one in LA. We're going to be doing them in Austin, New York, Miami, and a few other cities. Plus most likely we're going to hit the UK or Europe. So make sure you go to newwaveentrepreneur.com to check out all the dates. We'll have them all listed there. And of course, you can uh, you can sign up. There's going to be about 10 to 12 people per location. So this isn't a massive um, conference. This is a 10 to 12 person event. And that means that it's purposely designed for you to meet people, to engage with them, and to have a whole hell of a lot of fun. So make sure you check out newwaveentrepreneur.com to get all the dates and locations for the next one. I, I believe depending on when you're listening to this, the next one is in Austin this summer and it'll be all over the country. So sign up now.